It is good to be back at St. Agnes for a number of reasons, especially in this year dedicated to St. Joseph. It's a privilege really to be a part of this grand celebration in honor of the foster father of Jesus, the spouse of the Blessed Virgin Mary, a year so filled with grace in a parish so grace-filled. In Pope John Paul II's encyclical letter issued on August 15, 1989, entitled Redemptoris Custos, on the person of St. Joseph and his work in the life of Jesus Christ and of his church, the Pope began by quoting a portion of the Gospel text of Matthew 1.24, recounting the message delivered to the foster father of Jesus by the angel in a dream. Joseph did as the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took his wife to himself. It is this dream as the moment and context of God's engaging St. Joseph in the work of our redemption that is the starting point for my reflections this evening on the topic of St. Joseph's model of silence. Now, in and of itself, there's nothing extraordinary about dreaming or its prerequisite, sleeping. We all regularly do both. As I just stated, however, it is the context of the dream as God's chosen time and means to communicate that is my focal point. In dreaming, we are the most passive insofar as our rational intellect, reasoning processes, and volition are concerned. We have no control over them. That's why morally, we're not responsible for our dreams or the thoughts that come at those times that we may then even carry into our waking. In a word, our intellect is at its most naturally vulnerable or perhaps better put, malleable, when we dream. And that's why God chose to speak to many individuals in salvation history through dreams. Most of those who received such dreams and visions from God were already committed and well disposed to seek and to do God's will. And therefore God chose to make his will known to them in a manner and at a time when they alone would grasp and understand it without outside influences or distractions to cause them to hesitate or to cloud their discernment or their judgment. So why a model of silence? We need role models. They form our outlook, our attitudes, our values, and inspire our actions. For example, children are sponges absorbing everything they see and hear, whether we are conscious of the fact or not. Simply being in the life of a child is being a role model for him or her. Often enough, simply with the, being within their line of sight or within earshot, we will unwittingly influence them and their lives. But we need role models as well as adults. For example, consciously or not, We'll take on the behavior of fans while watching a sporting event. The attitude of those around us as we take part in the church's prayer. The tenor and tone of those with us at a political rally. 
We take on the behavior of anyone who seems to know what they're doing when we may not be too sure of what to do or just because we want to fit in with those around us. As for St. Joseph being a model of silence, it's a fact that we will normally take on some of the attributes of a person the longer we are in their company. Silence is not something we're used to. In fact, it's something modern man seeks to avoid almost at all costs. We don't know what to do with it. It even scares us. In external silence and the absence of the sounds that we're familiar with and upon which we may even depend for the meaning of our lives, we are lost. In fact, the more our life is surrounded, filled, and even defined by the noises around us, the more we're afraid to be left alone with ourselves, to face the emptiness that constant noise will inevitably create. Because nothing from outside can ever fill us, but rather only empty us of our true selves. And thus the importance of silence. The purpose of silence is, as an aesthetical practice, is in order to aid us in discerning God's will for us. Silence is the condition for hearing God. God is always speaking to us, but we're not always attuned to what God is saying because we're not always attuned to how God may be saying it. There are countless voices vying for our attention in this world and in our own lives individually, family, friends, co-workers. We can define these voices as a sort of peer pressure, the pressure to conform or to get along or to adapt, not always a bad thing, but voices that are constantly speaking to us. There are also the voices of society, social, political, economic, cultural, moral, all demanding our conformity and our allegiance to one degree or another. While we need to know what's going on around us, we also need to be able to filter out what may be toxic or what may slowly deny us of our inner ability to make a free personal choice. Silence is necessary, therefore, in order to hear the gentle voice of God speaking, not to our passions or even to our intellect, but to our hearts. Recall the episode recorded in 1 Kings 19, 11 to 13, of God's self-manifestation to Elijah on Mount Horeb. God was not in the great and strong wind that rent the mountains and broke into pieces the rocks. God was not in the earthquake that followed. God was not in the fire that followed that. God was in the still voice that came after all had calmed down. The only way to become attuned to this still voice of God is to practice inner silence, shutting out periodically but regularly, purposefully and intentionally those other voices for a period of time as much as possible. Can we practice silence in our daily life? Can we find it? Well, the simple answer is that we need to practice it. Turning off the noises now and again with the purpose of engaging in prayer, 
recalling that God is there and that you are in his presence, listening to what God is telling us at that moment as we are truly present ourselves to that moment and to nothing else. The more familiar we become to that inner quiet, even if only once in a while, but regularly, the easier it will be to enter it again. Prayer, even if it begins and may regularly consist of our own verbal prayers, are still ways that God can be using to speak to us. This then becomes the beginning of our conversation with God, the heart-to-heart exchange that draws us ever deeper into the divine reality, always present, but so often not even perceived. Is silence a virtue? Yes. Virtues are generally defined as habits of mind. The habit that is any virtue is something that has become second nature. It is spontaneous, universal, constant, and thus becomes easy. Silence is no exception. Like all other virtues, the first thing to do to starting to acquire it is to remove everything else that is contrary to it or that works against it. Not necessarily permanently, but for as long as it may take to acquire the habit of mind, and I may add the habit of heart. The importance of virtue is that it is the most effective instrument of God's grace in our lives. That may sound strange to us Catholics who depend so much, and rightly so, on the sacraments. But the sacraments work unless there is an obstacle. Ex opere operato nisi obex. Ex opere operato. In ways, they do what they signify without fail unless there is an obstacle. And that's why virtue, that inner disposition of mind, of intellect, of will, is so important. And that's why I've said that it's the most effective of God's instruments and of his grace in our lives. Without virtue, grace is compromised. Grace is shut out. Virtue is the door through which grace enters our lives, sacramental or other. And therefore, there is an inner power of silence. Silence is not the same, however, as passivity. In fact, as anyone who has tried to be silent or to silence one's own mind, heart, passions, or any other inner movements of the spirit and soul, it takes a lot of effort. But silence is a conquest, the conquest of self. Overcoming the natural and more or less intentionally cultivated habits of inner and outer activity in our lives, we're literally struggling against our own human nature. That struggle, however, is not intended to destroy or diminish our human nature, but to subdue it and to direct it to a higher purpose than its natural tendencies. Compared with silencing our inner selves, the moving of mountains by faith, spoken of by Jesus in 
Matthew's Gospel, 1720, could seem child's play. Yet through the silencing of our inner selves, there is power. The power unleashed when we discover what God has planted in us, in our minds, in our hearts, and in our souls. To be the instruments of his grace to transform our lives at the deepest level. What we have, what we are, by God's design and grace, no one can take from us. We, however, can forfeit it by neglect or by allowing it to be stifled. And it leads us to consider then the silence of God's own power. In Psalm 46, verse 10, be still and know that I am God. Noise is an obstacle. No two realities can exist in the same way, in the same space or place, whether materially or morally, at the same time. For example, darkness and light, heat and cold are mutually exclusive. God will only do what we allow through removing those obstacles and providing the space of silence. When that occurs, we become like the primordial space at the moment of creation, when God spoke, and so it was. But there are conditions for silence. I hope it's clear by now that silence is not an end in itself. God alone is the end in himself, his own reason, and the reason for which all else exists. Silence is but a means to a greater end, as is anything that is a condition or a context. But silence itself has its own prerequisite conditions. First of all, there must be a desire for the inner silence that will become God's blank slate, a desire for God to write on my silent heart and mind, and the concomitant willingness to take the steps necessary to create in myself those conditions. In pursuing silence, if pursuing silence is the work of the practice of the virtue, the acquisition of silence is the gift of God's grace to one who so perseveres. It won't usually come overnight, but slowly and gradually. And in the process, we will learn many useful lessons needed for silence to be fruitful in our souls. We can talk about speaking silence, referring once again to the idea of the role model. We assimilate the role modeling of others, and we ourselves are also role models, even in silence. Our actions will always speak louder than our words. If you want to test that, just ask your kids. Our example of quiet self-control, of respect of others, of focus on the task before us at the moment, 
and the tenor of a life that is self-possessed and truly purposeful can defeat the loudest noise or the loudest voices because while philosophy, theology, morality, and science can always be argued, there is no argument to a life that has been transfused and transformed by the power of silence in the abiding presence of God. And so, St. Joseph, model of silence. St. Joseph most likely didn't need to struggle, as we do, to attain that level of inner silence for any number of reasons, not the least of which being that he didn't live in a world as noisy as ours. Yet he was still a human being in the fullest sense. And what one human being can attain in this realm, any human being can also attain, albeit to varying degrees. We need to be careful not to put St. Joseph or any saint on so high a pedestal that they no longer seem human to us, human like us. If St. Joseph can be presented to humanity as the model of that silence needed to hear God and to give himself unreservedly to God, then it is because God is willing to lead us all into that same profound and divine silence in which God wills to speak to us as well. Gets to sleep. So. <laughs> my gift. <laughs> it's a certain soporific quality. 
I, I would have, I had to riddle this thing down. I would have run up to be too long, but, but so I probably cut it down a little too much. I'm sorry about that. Oh, no, it, it was uh, 20, 25, 20, 25 minutes. That's good. That's no problem. Yeah. 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 Beautiful. No problem at all. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you for the opportunity. Part of, part of the feel of you're just sitting in the pew the whole time. You know, it's nice to have a, a shorter reflection. And, yeah, just makes it easier for them. Downstairs, they can be longer because people got the little. They got snacks. You know, they got a break. They got a fucking yeah, chair. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, there would be a lot of subsections to this. <laughs> I am curious what the questions would have been about silence. <laughs> Any questions? <laughs> Anyone? In today's world is a tough thing to be silent. Darn near impossible these days because everything. You know, people will always say, you know, I can never get a hold of you. When do you call? In the evening. Don't you ever have your cell phone with you? No, I try to leave that somewhere where it doesn't bother me. Exactly. <laughs> it's in my pocket if I have to go somewhere and I might need it. But other than that, if you want to get a hold of me, best place is to try me at work. Sometimes I call The only time I answer the phone is in the office. <laughs> you know, the, that's why they're in the hands. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, said, I just sent you texts. You'll answer those. <laughs> I recognize your, your bang. <laughs> it's got its own bang. It's just the way it bangs. Oh, that's, Ding, dun, dun. That's, the more, that's the Moriarty tone. <laughs> I'm curious what it is. I'm going to text you right now. Yeah, right. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. I put it on mute. Are you a Sherlock fan? With my luck, it's the theme from Cycle. Two of you I was just imagining the Sherlock and the show screaming, Marathi! Oh my god. <laughs> Very good, thank you. And Phil McConville took your station, so. Oh, great. Good. Well, he, did, he did the confessions, Deacon. Uh, oh, Deacon took the station, so. Okay. Here. That's probably the best arrangement. Yeah. Yeah, because the other way yeah, wouldn't be good. Yeah, we got the station of the church will be in these confessionals, so we have that there. Mass Marvel. Here you're uh worms. I'll take care of them all. So I didn't have to bring them over tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Bill. What? It's all right, Bill. Well, it's good you brought him. <laughs> well, now they're going to get... You want to take them downstairs? Put them by the door down there. Yeah, it's okay. I don't care at this point. Okay. It is a lot cooler down there. Put outside. No, they'll disappear. Yeah. Yeah. Even when it's in the ground, they disappeared. Yeah, that's true. Okay. I guess I will bring oh, them. Thank you so much. Thank you for holding me. Thanks. Thank you. Take care. No, I appreciate it. Great. Right? Yeah. Yeah, he's just carrying those palms around. He just keeps carrying them around. He's nowhere to lay them. <laughs> Here we give him the high five. <laughs> oh, man. It's been a heck of a day today. Yeah. Put up some more cameras at work, and then the contractors who put them up wired them wrong. 
So then I went up there with my tester and I plugged it in and I went, what's the, what's the point of having a contractor? Well, exactly. And they paid him and then I had to go and do it and fix what they, you know, what was four cameras are all outside cameras and it was cold today and I wasn't ready for that. But so, and the first they're, they're all the way up on top of the building, you know, so I had to grab the scissors lift out there. Well, one area we couldn't get the scissors lift in because it's in grass, you know, just those, they, they just don't go up because they sense the, yeah, it's the building. Yeah, and so we had to get a ladder. <laughs> so, it, but it was, it's, it's, it's getting harder and harder for me to do things like that. Yeah. You know, the older I get, the harder it yeah. is for me to do that stuff. So I, my contractor was on his way, and then when he got there, I had one camera fixed, and then he helped. One inside, one outside makes a huge difference. I mean, it things back and forth, back and forth. Yeah. We can all look at them all up. Now we just have to clean them up. They're pretty good right now. Did you get your fishing license yet? No. Behind last night? No. I'm going to start fishing in there. So, cruise table don't have Cruise table's back. Everything's back up there. Excellent. Everything back in the world. Okay, I'm going to go.